3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull in somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you, so call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Can investing be fun? Are we allowed to enjoy buying the, co- the stocks of companies we like, maybe if doing some homework? Now, according to this market, with the Dow gaining 23 points, this going be advancing 0.09%. NASDAQ coming 0.62%. The answer is it can be fun and it can be rewarding as long as you know what you own. Now, I realize I'm going to get a ton of pushback on this one. Fun? Investing's not supposed to be fun. We're told that fun is a classic sign of a top. When people are giddy and buying everything that moves, it means that the market is peaking.
2: The house of pain.
3: Well, it's absolutely true in the long run, but I don't think we're there yet. Now, Now, not everything is moving. You still need to be selective with your stock picking. It's not like this is a euphoric moment. Three weeks ago, the averages were getting crushed. We're told that the Fed could take the punch bowl away at any moment. Remember, this whole run started when Fed Chief Jay Powell indicated he's monitoring the economy and will cut interest rates if he needs to. So if he comes out this week and says the consumer's economy is strong and therefore we don't need a rate cut, well, yeah, sure, that could be troubling. We're told Trump can crush us with a single tweet. Granted, it's happened before, but as we get close to the election, I think that he'll be less and less likely to rock the stock boat especially given the ugly run of uh, polling he's had lately. We're told valuations have gotten insane. However, that's only true for some of the more cultish IPOs. And even some of those valuations are justifiable if everything goes the way. Best for last, we're told a recession would wipe out the entire move. Thanks, Captain Obvious. Sure, a recession would do a ton of damage. But I'm not worried about a recession because the Fed has room to cut rates. I know more tariffs are bad news for the expansion. However, at the end of the day, we're a service economy. And most service providers will be fine. Same goes for the larger, larger retailers, although the smaller ones could indeed be hurt. If the president keeps ratcheting up the tension with China. Maybe that's the cost of doing worldwide business. Put all of these worries together and you can see why so many people are hostile to the idea that investing should ever be enjoyable. Ever since the dot-com crash, there's been a de facto ban on fun. That's right. 19 years with a ban on fun. Because fun is always viewed as a prelude to disaster. Hey, you know what? When you play around and horse around that much, someone's going to get hurt. <laughs> Not necessarily. Even mentioning that the market has a bunch of fun things going for it, though, has always been the kiss of death. Like a jinx. That's a major reason why people gravitate toward buying whole index funds. A whole generation has been taught that owning individual stocks is just too risky. But a new generation, the ones who were kids when Mad Money first aired 14 years ago, they seem far more inclined to invest in stocks. Now, companies are coming public that millennials know about the eclectic Beyond Meat, the thoughtful Revolve, the playful Chewy, and the substantive Pinterest. All these have captured the fancy of millennial investors who are increasingly being drawn to no-commission trading, not to mention the cannabis stocks. Hey, look, I know Beyond Meat could uh, meet its match at the June uh, 20th meeting of Arch Rival and former part owner Tyson Foods. But so much of the stock has been sold short that I don't even know if it'll matter. Chewy's play on the subscription economy for one of the great trends of our era, the humanization of pets. Companies commissioned paintings of 40,000 pets lately. Wow, what a commitment. Ask the people who got in on that IPO, fabulous IPO. Uh, they're having fun. At the, at the same time, iconic household names are back in style. Procter & Gamble, Estee Lauder, PepsiCo, McDonald's, Disney, Starbucks. These are some of the most beloved companies, and they're turning into the most beloved stocks, just like they used to be for so long. Now, I know most of these are classic slowdown stocks. When they all move up together, some in the wags are going to say recession must be around the corner. However, at the moment, I think their strength has much more to do with the fact that they're well-run companies with huge buybacks, great balance sheets, good dividends, and are working. I know these household names aren't cheap. It doesn't shock me. Clark's expensive. But when a company is a fabulous brand and it's executing consistently, well, you have to pay up for best of breed. It. It's always been the case in real bull markets. Meanwhile, Merger is back. Today, Pfizer told us that it's buying a Ray Pharma. Hey, by the way, that's a frequently asked uh, stock in the lightning round. Thank heavens we've been positive. Pfizer needs a pipeline. Makes sense. Sotheby's got a nice bid today. I had another household name. Auction House has often been rumored as a target. Finally, caught a suitor, billionaire Patrick Drahi, who will take it private, giving the company a lot more flexibility to do what it says it wants to do. Hey, listen to this. Most important, on top of all that, FAANG feels like it's making a Come back. Let's go backwards and Fang. Alphabet's got a pulse again. It seeks to monetize YouTube. Netflix is finally moving after spending most of the year trading sideways in the wake of January's epic rally. Amazon's now up 25% for the year. Its stocks are trying to break out, helped by the RTH, which it dominates. That's the retail ETF. And the company continues its quest for total retail world domination. And Apple? Apple's defying the trade war with China, even as the company has to navigate both China and the United States. Yet for the past couple weeks, the stock has been on fire. Uh, And by the way, I think the Tim Cook's, uh, you 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 should read his commencement address, makes a lot of young people, really. You should definitely read it. Finally, Facebook is the most interesting here, because tomorrow the company will issue a white paper about what it's going to do to help the unbanked get access to the financial system. It rallied more than eight points in anticipation of that white paper and the idea of an international cryptocurrency with real institutional backing and blockchain. Now, I know many of you snicker whenever I say anything good at all about Facebook, and with good reason. They're not exactly the paragons of moral rectitude. But right now, there are hundreds of millions of people who don't have bank accounts all over the world, who live in countries with unstable currencies. Roughly 40% of the world lives in a country with a 10% plus inflation. Thank you, Lisa Ellis from Moth- uh, Mothenson- oh, Craig. Uh Okay, it's uh, Moffat Nathanson. I knew it would come to me. Always does. Uh, Facebook wants to give these people access to a special kind of cryptocurrency called Libra. That's L-I-B-R-A. And that's backed by real players like Visa and MasterCard and PayPal. You know we like PayPal. I'm betting they'll make this service free to their 2.6 billion users as part of a genuine charm offensive designed to get the regulators off their case. Hey, what? Think about that. Hey, you know what? I know you guys are investigating this, but we just give 2.8 billion people bank accounts. Isn't that a nice message? Of course, they're not doing it out of the goodness of the heart. But uh, th- that's neither here nor there. Finally, there's a whole new class of cloud computing stocks that have caught fire here. I mean, if you were in San Francisco, even, hey Regina, when we were in San Francisco, didn't you feel it? Regina? Didn't you feel the joy in San Francisco of all these companies? Yes, I did. There you go. I needed to I get a little verification of that. A little verification. Let me think about it. We, we all know about Workday. They're all in the, yeah. how many times have we had Adobe? Not enough. Salesforce, we had Splunk, ServiceNow, VMware. Now that we've Facebook got these, Facebook. Facebook. Maybe Facebook one day, but get this. Look, it's a small TV show. We do this stuff. Get this. You know what now people are talking about when I walk around? They want to know if they can get a job at Okta. They like Zscaler, Zendesk, Coupa, dozens of other companies that help businesses make themselves more effective. Plus, there's been consolidation. Last week, Salesforce bought Tableau's software, and now people are speculating that Alphabet may need to make a move. Right down those stocks I just mentioned, they are all possible targets. Uh, what do all of these winners have in common? They're fun. They're companies you know or could learn about. You can look at the tops of buildings and you can say, Ah, oh, I got to know more about that. And you can happily buy them in, into weakness if you've done the homework and you believe in the prospects. The bottom joyous line, sorry, there's a whole different mindset. This idea that investing can be fun is a throwback, not to the dot com bubble in 1999, but to the 80s and 90s. We had some incredible bull runs and no one thought it was just horrible and stupid to like stocks. As far as I'm concerned, it's not pernicious. It's not silly. It's not dangerous. It's just how things were in the old days before things got corrupted by the 1999-2000 era. And if that's the case, well, guess what? The rally could last a lot longer than most people expect. Can I go to Roger in Illinois, please, Roger? Mega shot the Kramer. What do you do? Oh, thank you, man. Thank you very much. One of my favorite Americans of all time started a company by the name of Standard Oil. It's not around anymore, but it's next of kin. Still are. I know you aren't a fan of oil, nope. but what do you think of ExxonMobil as a long-term hold? Uh, long-term hold, fine, as long as you understand long-term hold. I think the uh, millennial money managers have turned on, on uh, oil as if they're fossil fuels. They're looking at countries like Norway that are banning, you know, or getting, saying, listen, we're not going to have gasoline, and they're saying, that is the future. And I am concerned that that may be the case. How about we go to Bud in Ohio? Bud! Jim, Booyah, Ski Daddy. Hey, bud, what's
1: shaking? Uh, Hey, Jim, uh, thank you for everything you do for us. Uh, Listen, Father's Day reminded me of your story about how Chinese predatory trade practices destroyed your dad's paper industry. They sure did. I've lived my entire life in what some on Wall Street derisively call the Rust Belt. So I've watched it happen for decades, which is why I'm interested in companies that are reshoring jobs. But, of course, I want a good investment, too. So what do you think of Stanley Black & Decker?
3: Yes, they're doing reshoring. I'm proud of them. Let's bring all those jobs back. I am a believer in this theory, and I think that that stock is a good one. Now, the last quarter was just okay. I think that this is a better quarter, given the fact that the weather's good. Yes, a lot of things does depend on the weather, because they're in these big box uh, hardware stores. I like your call, and I salute you for what you're doing. All right, to all the haters out there, first of all, high haters, but guess what? I don't think this is top behavior. Yes, there are stocks that are topping all the time, but right now, well, it's kind of joyous. Sorry, we could go higher. Oh, man, buddy, tonight, 2019 is the year FAUX, that's F-A-U-X, as the bid to make the best plant-based patties heats up. I'm talking to one company that can help perfect the taste. And pets aren't just for cuddling. Man's best friend can help warm your wallet, too. I'm revisiting my my, my homemade and best in show ETF that can help make money off the trend. And the days of it's not what you know, it's who you know, and maybe they're coming to an end. Hallelujah! Thanks to one private company that I like a lot. It's shaking up the job market. So stay with Kramer!
4: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer, hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnBC.com.
2: You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
2: IFF
4: captures what is most aromatic in nature distilled and harnessed for all our senses. As the company strives to maximize the world's resources, can investors maximize their portfolios with
3: IFM? Sometimes the market just gets it wrong. About 13 months ago, International Flavors and Fragrances, the company that comes up with proprietary scents and tastes for all sorts of consumer packaged goods companies, announced it was acquiring Foodiram. It's $7.1 billion. Wall Street didn't like it. Stock got just obliterated. Crazy. Uh, 140s down to 120s. And every time it seemed to get its groove back, it would roll over. That is until this past month. Lately, IFF has caught fire. It's up about 9% for the month of June. It held a very bullish analyst meeting a week and a half ago. So could this stock have more upside? Let's take a closer look with Andreas Fibbing. He's the chairman and CEO of International Flavors and Fragrances. He had a better sense of how his company's doing where it's headed. Mr. Fibbing, welcome back to Money. Andrea, it's good, good to see, see you. you. You know, first, got to say, uh, to your great credit, when you did that big equity offering, the stock got hit, you came on. And you yeah. said, this is a great opportunity. And not only was it a great opportunity, but it was one of the best opportunities I've seen in a long time. What happened between when you got the money and closed the food around and now?
5: Yeah, I think very important for us was to explain what it means for IFF closing on Fruiteroam. And I think now many more people understand what the quality of the asset is. What we do, did during the Investor Day, actually, we showed them all what can we do in terms of the expanded customer base, what can we do with natural.
3: 30,000 Be- customers
5: 30,000 customers. 75% of the uh, portfolio of uh, Fruiteroam was natural. Uh, we have seen a lot of adjacent businesses. We do now 20% of our sales with adjacent businesses. And we demonstrated our R&D pipeline, which is un match what we ever have seen in IFF history.
3: What's incredible is you did this at a time of incredible skyrocketing costs. It didn't, somehow, it didn't make you skip a beat.
5: Yeah. I I would say uh, it was certainly... we did a great due diligence and we made really sure that we don't overpay. But actually, now after seven months, eight months after we closed the deal, we really feel strong about the acquisition and we feel strong about the opportunities, actually, not just get the cost savings out of right. $145 million, but to grow our top line significantly as well.
3: But your raw costs are what I was, you know, yeah. you're, in your presentation, your analyst meeting, I was just stunned by how the
5: most inflationary period for something you can't control and yet what you'd control the bottom line was superb yeah that's true what we saw in particular on the send side that uh, the material cost went up significantly we worked very closely with our customers to to raise the prices we looked at re-engineering our products as well and I think we are coming out of this crisis quite nicely another thing which is probably helping IFF as well is that we had a very good backward integration we could do some of these products and some of these substances on our on our own which helped a lot with our customers right, i got to talk about what's going on in this uh there's kind of a craze right now there's this thing beyond
3: me okay yeah. and one of the things you taught me is that taste is also smell yeah. that you have to have the texture but you also have what it go, what goes down. Could you explain to me why some of these things work and why some don't? Because people suddenly there've been these, you know, they've had these synthetic hamburgers forever. Suddenly, it's a big craze among the millennials.
5: Yeah, no, I, I would say first of all, there is much more awareness that this is a very healthy choice. That's number one. Okay. It is very sustainable as well for the environment. So that's that's number, number two that matters to the millennials right now, and number three. I believe right now, at least I can talk from the IFF point of view, we have the technology to do that and to do it in a very nice way. Actually, what we did during the Investor Day, we did pulled pork 100% out of plant-based protein, and people loved it. You see what is doable or what we can do today.
3: Now, the difference between natural, organic, these are all things that seem very exact, subjective.
5: Yeah. Uh, some, it, you have definitions. Uh, it's certainly different in Europe compared to the, to the U.S., but one thing is clear, it has to be derived from natural ingredients, and that's where we are really good. We are now one of the world's largest, biggest natural extractors, So, because we get this out of natural fields and natural materials, and we're really good at it. Right, explain it versus, say, molecules. I yes. mean, you, people prefer... What you just described into molecules. Yeah, absolutely. We see it on on the flavor side, for example, on the taste side, that ninety percent of the briefs or the people are asking us for doing something for them is for naturals, out of organic and natural materials. And you see, it's a trend here to stay. And Frutorum definitely must have helped you. I mean, this is these smaller firms all want that. A
3: lot. A lot. It's it, it this is really intriguing to me. I, I think that with the human genome. Have you been able to figure out even more? Because you keep talking about innovation. You have
5: flavors. It seems like you have the edge on what we really like versus what we know. Well, what we see is we do around about 500,000 consumer interviews every single year. 500,000.
3: I've never been interviewed by you.
5: Yeah, we probably should do that. (laughs) So because I guess that we really know with our consumer insights what the consumer wants and that's how we work with our customers together to come up with really the best choice for them
0: well
3: one of those i mean i understand that vanilla is the most popular yes. it smells like when you were younger
5: at home how you seem to know what we crave in a good way yeah what people like and then you see that vanilla is not Vanilla, the vanilla from Madagascar is very different in the smell and the taste than the vanilla from Indonesia or from Uganda. So you have to see nuances here as well. Well, who knows this stuff?
3: I mean, you've probably got many tasters. You probably have unbelievable scientists. I always think that what must happen is that there's no chance to this. It's it, you understand. We were running pictures of raspberries behind us. There's raspberries with seeds. There's yeah. raspberries for jam. I mean, do you guys know what I like in 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 jam and in seeds? I don't seeds? know
5: whether we know what you like. Oh, well, but okay. In general, I think what the general taste. But how, Because do. of the five hundred thousand yeah, interviews. Yeah, we're getting it in, and we're testing it with our panel group. And then we come up with the best solution.
3: Now, you've got a very, uh, you have a lot of international business, a strong dollar, not necessarily good. Uh, uh, are there tariffs on some of your products?
5: Right now, we are we are lucky enough. So we have planned for Brexit. I think we have plan A, B and C. And you need all these plans, I can tell you. Yeah. And China is very benign to us. It's not material on uh, on our side well, right now.
3: Let me ask you another question. Maybe the last question, but. Do you think in this time, I think it's never been more important that you have an international outlook, that you can speak many languages, as I know you can, that you really have a purview that is much more than domestic? It seems like that's a real advantage these days for a CEO. No, a-
5: a- absolutely. Not just for the CEO, for a company which is doing 80% of the business outside of the U.S., I think you really have to know what's, what's going on in the world. I'm up next, uh, tomorrow actually. To, uh, to India, then I go to Vietnam, then I go to China, and then I go back to Europe. So I think you have to know what's happening in these areas.
3: Well, well, i got to tell you, you certainly do. Congratulations. Thank you for coming on when the stock was in the 120s. That's <laughs> when, well, now it's still good, but that was really the time. That's Andreas Fibig. He's the chairman and CEO of International Flavors and Fragrances. Just had a very big analyst meeting, all very digestible. You can tell you, it uh, tells you exactly why I like it. Mid Money's back after the
4: Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet.
3: Ever since the explosive Chewy IPO last week, I can't stop thinking about that humanization of pets theory we had. That's the idea that Americans increasingly treat their cats and dogs as members of the family. And when you act like your pets are human, as we do at home, you spend a lot more money on food and health care. Now, I've been pounding the table on this story for ages. You know that. That's why last August, we actually created an ETF, a whole humanization of pets ETF, an index consisting of our 10 favorite names in the space. In the wake of the Chewy deal, I think it's worth checking up on this ETF, and maybe even updating it because there have been some changes. As it turns out, we were a little early with this one. The man Money Humanization of Pets ETF is up nearly 5% since we created it less than 10 months ago, only slightly better than the 2.6% return from the S&P 500 over that exact same period. Eh, impressive, maybe unimpressive. However, like I said, we were early. If you look at the performance over the course of 2019, it tells a very different story. The Pets ETF is up roughly 25% year-to-date, trouncing the 16% return for the S&P 500. In the original formulation, we had different weightings for each of the 10 stocks in the index. Central Garden and Pet Company, Pet IQ, Pet Med Express, they got 10%. Idex Laboratories, Zoetis, and Fresh Pet got 15%. And then some of the less focused ones like General Mills, Henry Schein, J.M. Smucker, uh, and Walmart, remember they sell pet food, none of them pure plays, got anywhere from 45 to 8%. Now, some of these were big, big winners. Uh, but we also had three double-digit losers, Central Garden and Pet. Uh, it's down almost 27%. PET IQ fell nearly 21%. PET Med Express lost more than half, half of its value, thanks for nothing. Still mad about that. Uh, those are st- uh, some real stinkers, frankly, that have been a huge drag on the PET ETF's overall performance. Even IDEX, the kramer veterinary diagnostic equipment maker, was up as a laggard. It's up just 9%. Everything else rallied double digits. Of course, the timing on this thing was awful. We created the humanization of pets ETF last August, right before the stock market peaked and then melted down in the fourth quarter. That sell off was particularly hard on high-flying growth stocks like IDEX. And while these names have come back into the style of the Wall Street Fashion Show, well, you know what? They had to climb out of a very big hole. On the other hand, Fresh Pet and Zoetis, the two other uh, top holdings in our fictional ETF, were up 35 and 24% respectively. And it's a good thing we included some big packaged food companies like General Mills. Okay, we have Blue Buffalo, that's what they own, Smucker for their uh, pet food divisions, as both stocks have rallied just under 20 percent over the same period. Walmart's up 16 percent. That's a real favorite stock. Uh, Amazing. I think it just creeps up and creeps up now. and, And since the beginning of 2019, these stocks have really caught fire. Only Central Garden and Pet and PetMed are down year-to-date. Everything else is up by 15% or more. Those are some spectacular numbers. So wait, it's the gigantic veterinary healthcare company, we have them all the time, it's rallied 30% for the year. It's still only the sixth best performer. In short, the humanization of pets theme is red hot right now, but you need to be selective about how you play it. So what happened with those losers that are pet ETF, and what should we do about them? Do we dump them from the index entirely or just uh, cut our exposure? This is not easy to do. Look, the big problems here, Central Garden, uh, Pet IQ, and Pet Med Express. We got we to dissect these. Three stocks bouncing off late, but their overall performance is still pretty hideous. The house. Of so pain. let's take them one by one. Central Garden and Pet distributes pet, lawn, and garden supplies, although most of its business is pet-related. The stock got obliterated when the company reported a hideous quarter in February. CEO George Roth tried to reassure his investors but then 5 days later he announced his upcoming plan retirement <laughs> It didn't help that Central Garden and Pet gets 40% of its sales from the garden side of the business. And gardening got a very late start this year because of the awful weather. Tell me about it as a gardener. The good news is Central Garden has already bottomed after the company delivered better than expected results in May. At these levels, the stock has gotten a lot cheaper than it was last year. And you know what? It'd be a mistake to totally bail on it. So let's keep Central Garden and Pet in the ETF, but cut its weighting from 10% to 5%. Next up, there's Pet IQ. It's a maker of drugs for animals, uh, as well as an operator of veterinary clinics. We just had a very bullish conversation with the CEO right before we created the Immunization Pets Index. However, his stock had also run from the mid-20s to just under 40 in a very short period of time. And in retrospect, I was chasing when I recommended it at that level. That was wrong. Sure enough, PetIQ was crushed during the growth sell-off in the fourth quarter, and it's never really come back. Plus, it doesn't help that the company reported a not-so-hot quarter in March, and then some short sellers started going after them for uh, their VIP pet care acquisition, which gave them the veterinary clinic business. We like that business. However, last month, PetIQ reported a solid quarter. And we learned that they're acquiring Parago's Animal Health Unit for $185 million, and a deal is expected to be additive to earnings within a year of its closing. Well, I don't have a great read on that VIP pet care situation, the story seems intact to me. I still think that there's enormous potential. But we want to cut Pet IQ's allocation from 10% to 5%. Leave it in the portfolio. Now, third, there's pet. Med Express, the company behind 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest animal-oriented pharmacy. This stock had already been pulverized when we created the ETF. They recently reported a shortfall, and I should have followed my own rules by keeping it in the penalty box. Remember what I always say? A shortfall means you got to at least wait one quarter. I didn't listen to myself. Pet meds struggling with new competitors in the space, including Chewy, and an online pet pharmacy uh, launched by Walmart. While the stock seems cheap, I, I, I have a hard time believing PetMed will be able to make the numbers. So we're removing it from the humanization of pets ETF entirely. Sorry. Gone. We also need to remove Henry Schein. Why? Because the company spun off its animal health unit back in February. They merged it with Vets First Choice to create a new entry, Covetris. Covetris. Wasn't that like that? That could have been that bank that BBT and, and SunTrust. Kvetris, or it could have been the, uh, the plant division of uh, DuPont Dow, right? you know what I mean? Now, this company is a major distributor of veterinary supplies, but its stock has been a so far. And part because Covetris laid an egg in its first earnings report as an independent company. Plus, it's not cheap. It's selling for 25 times year's earnings estimates. The company is an important player in the pet space, but it still needs to prove itself. So let's put it in the ETF, but only with a 6.25% weighting. Speaking of breakups, late last year, Eli Lilly spun off its animal health division as Elianco. Unfortunately, the stock's basically been dead money since the first trade. It surged from twenty-four to thirty-two right out of the gate, and that's where it stayed. Problem: Lilly spun out of Elianco via an IPO, which led investors to bid up the stock, and it's been digesting those gains ever since. Still, I like the company. It's a straightforward story. You know what we're gonna do? We give a seven-point-five percent weighting. Finally, there's Chewy. Yes, Chewy. I like Chewy. The you old know pet store that we joined this weekend? That's right. It's upending the whole industry, which exploded higher when it came public on Friday. Like I told you at the time, I adore Chewy, the company. But ideally, yes, I would like to wait for the stock to cool off a bit before I endorsed it. That said, it's a lot less expensive than it might seem. I say we give it a 12.5% allocation. Although, again, if you want to buy it, you should gradually buy it on the way down. But I do sanction buying it a little bit right here. Bottom line, the humanization of pets has been a fabulous secular growth story, one that's really paid off in 2019, and now that we've adjusted our Mad Money Pets ETF, I bet it can keep going higher! Ah. Hey, let's speak to Sarah in Iowa. Sarah! Hi, Jim. Hi, Sarah. Thank
0: you for teaching us how to do the homework. Mm-hmm. Um, the my question is on Moderna, recent IPO I bought on Belief. Um, we all know what they're um, doing currently. Um, so I bought it at 22. My question is, should I buy it now on this dip and get my cost down, or is that being a hog? Uh, I, a I would car.
3: buy some. I, you <laughs> know, when I saw the—look, uh, I look, I think that, that the company Array is a really good company that Pfizer bought. But I think that these are all, in the end, uh, good specs. I like that. I met management. I would endorse it. The stock fell during a period when people didn't like these stocks. They're starting to warm up to them again. I would go for it. How about Shane in Pennsylvania? Shane, hey Jim, how's it going? I hope you had a great Father's Day. Oh, I tell you, I had a terrific one. My kids all waited, and that's all I care about. How about you? <laughs> yeah,
0: I had a good one. Thanks. Good. So uh, my stock is Allergan. Uh, I've owned the stock for about two years. Been getting crushed, uh, but I'm only twenty-five. I think I still got some some time to go. Uh, do you think I should buy, sell or hold?
3: I, I think that it can be, I mean, You hit it the 52-week low. It'd be a big mistake for me to just tell you to sell it here. I, it doesn't have the growth that I'd like. Uh, it doesn't have the pipeline that I thought it did. Uh, we managed to sell it for the Chapel Trust at a higher level, but it still, still hurt us. Uh, I'm not a fan. Let's just put it that way. Eric in Massachusetts. Eric!
0: Hey, Dr. Kramer, big booyah. Oh, President thank you. First-time caller. Um, my question is about Wayfair, ticker symbol W. Right. Most, uh, first quarter's estimates but showed a 39% increase uh, year-over-year on revenue.
3: Yeah, but don't make any money. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to guide you toward RH, uh, the old restoration hardware. We just had Gary Friedman on. I could have been more bullish, put back 60% of the company. 6-0 in the last three years. That's who I want to bank with. All right, the humanization pets is a Fabulous long-term growth story. And you know I like this Chewy. I bet the new Mad Money Pets ETF can keep going higher. Watch more Mad Money. Yet. Quitting my exclusive with a company that has matched over 3 million students. The company is looking to hire top talent across the country. Do not miss my exclusive with just a very uplifting story. Private player, handshake. Yes, glass pants. Oh, I'm sorry, glass pants. Then some pundits are saying it's the most difficult Fedminian to game in ages. <laughs> I'm calling it an easy call. I'll explain. And all your calls rapid fire. tonight's edition nice of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. You know us, we always in the hunt for the next bull market. And sometimes that means going off the tape with privately held startups that are revolutionizing their industries. Consider the case of a company called Handshake. It's the leading career network for American college students. Think of it as a LinkedIn for graduating seniors. They help match job seekers with companies that are eagerly looking for qualified employees. We hear a lot about the skills gap in this country, but Handshake, I think, is helping to close that gap. Its network now includes 14 million students and young alumni at more than 800 universities. So let's dig deeper, especially for people who are older like me who didn't know about this. With Garrett Lord, he's the co-founder and CEO of Handshake. Learn more about his company and its mission. Mitchell Lord, welcome to Mad Money. Good to see you, Garrett. Great to be here. Thank you so much for being here. Please, just for those of us who have been a long time since we graduated,
1: tell us what you do, how people have heard of you, and, and, and how you help people. Yeah, Handshake's the leading career community for college students in America. So we're actually the number one spot that college students find internships and jobs. Okay, in the country. let me ask you. You just yeah. started. What were people doing beforehand? <laughs> well, not too much has changed since you were in school, okay. <laughs> where uh, companies are, are uh, uh, you know, are sitting at career fairs and basically hoping the right kids yeah. walk up. You know, matching their tablecloth with their logo. and uh, and hoping their consumer brands are knowledgeable for students and they get the right students to walk up. And how do you make money? Uh, We make money by uh, helping companies uh, connect with the best students in the country. So Handshake's free for any uh, company to use. So 100% of the Fortune 500 actively uses Handshake. And it's a freemium business model. So companies can post a job for free, can register for an event for free, can attend a career fair for free. And if they want to proactively connect with talent, send messages, build a more effective brand, or measure the efforts of their recruitment, they can pay for Handshake. Oh, okay. Well, that's great.
3: Yeah. Now, you have some... I mean, the ethos of your company is terrific and everything that's written about it I really love. But the thing I most like the best is, regardless of who their parents are, and I just think there's a lot of people who recognize... One of the shames of our country is is that the parents of kids who are connected and are wealthy their kids get jobs uh, those who are unconnected they get out and they don't have that
1: you're changing that equation yeah so much about finding the right opportunity beyond college is about the socioeconomic status of your family or the region you go to school in. In fact, 43% of college students in America graduate underemployed. They're meaning they're working a job that did not require a college degree, and that's what we we wake up every day at Handshake trying to make an impact on. It's helping students find meaningful careers. Okay. So, well, okay. Yeah.
3: So how about? Uh, uh,
1: online students and community students. Yeah, so students today can use Handshake. The, the way they're using Handshake is they're uh, they're able to find and search for job opportunities. Uh, they're reading reviews from other companies. They're asking and answering questions to one another. And they're, they're helping. We're trying to help students make better decisions and learn from one another. So much about this job search problem is about access to opportunity, right. as you said earlier, based on the socioeconomic status of your family or what school you go to. But so much of this problem is also information and help Make students make the right decisions.
3: Okay, we often read about how uh, the employment market has gotten very tight. Are there areas still where people can get jobs, or is
1: it, do you have many people bidding for Are there some people that have multiple bids? Yeah. So what we're seeing companies do on the network is, historically, the recruitment model was you went to 10 or 15 or 20 core core schools, and you basically sat at the career fair and hoped the right Right. kids walked. What we're seeing many companies do is actually, they believe that talent is evenly distributed and opportunity isn't, and they want to find the top students at any university in the country. So what we're seeing companies do, especially in this type of labor market, is reach out to students based on their skill, based on the location interests. There's actually a student, there's a story of a student at Danny, uh, named Danny at Delaware State University, oh. who had okay. filled out his location interest, that he, as an accounting major, wanted to work in L.A. Uh, and we connected a company to Danny, the student at Delaware State University, a pretty rural institution, right? and they would have never had a footprint right. on the campus. That's absolutely true. Yeah.
3: Now, uh, does, not everybody does well in school, and it's not their fault, but they could be very smart. How about the kids that don't necessarily have good grades, but uh, frankly, just didn't do well in a given year or something, and can be really
1: valuable as an as an employee. Yeah, so we're seeing companies really sixty six percent of the messages that were sent last year on the network did not include GPA. So really, Jeez. I know it's you, you wouldn't suspect that, but we're seeing companies really try to understand what are this you know they're going beyond major. They're trying to think about what are the skills the student has, what are the competencies, what do I actually need the student to succeed in my workplace, uh, right. and they're also ditching just the the, the the traditional kind of school model where you know that. They're they're finding top students from all around the country. Why wouldn't a student be in your network? I mean, Uh, how could you? Why would you never not be in the network? Yeah, well, I I firmly believe Handshake's the best spot. You know, we're the largest network of college students finding jobs and internships in the country. Well, you know, I gotta hand it to you. I I gave
3: the commencement speech at Bucknell last year, and I was very worried about people matching skills. I didn't know about Handshake. I think that this is invaluable versus what I went out where, oh, I didn't know anybody and my parents didn't know anybody and I just sat there for months. I mean, you, you've ended the sat there for months equation after you graduate college.
1: Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, my personal problem in college is mean, many friends struggle with this. And so much about it is knowing the right people and going to the right school. Oh. Uh, and then on the, on the employer front, too, like employers are eager to find, you know, talent across the country. And they'd rather be competing for the third student at Milwaukee School of Engineering instead of, you know, sitting at the career fair at hoping the right kid walks Wow. Up.
3: Well, You're doing great things, and I hope you do make a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with that either. That's Garrett Lord. the CEO of Handshake. Fascinating story. Man, money's back after the break. Thank you, John. Uh-huh.
1: It is time.
3: It's time for the the <laughs> <laughs> And then the lighting round round's over. Are you ready, Skeet? Daddy, time the light round question We're going to start with Matt in New Jersey. Matt, hey, big booyah from New Jersey, Trent, New Jersey. Jim, how are you? I am good. How about you? I'm doing really well. I want to get your opinion on Universal Display ticker. Oh, kind of local company. This one is
2: too risky
3: for don't me. Buy. Don't, buy. Don't, 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 I mean, don't, don't, I got don't, enough don't problems don't trying to don't buy parts. So I have to do with Apple? Let's go to Kevin in South Carolina. Kevin,
2: booyah from South Carolina, Jim. Nice.
3: Um, got a question tonight on Aqua America. Very steady. Very good. 52 week high regularly. Ah! All right. How about Beth? The best of age? Beth.
0: Hi, Jim. How you doing?
3: I am doing well, Beth. How about you?
0: Oh, pretty good. Thank you for educating us about
2: the stock market. Oh, we you're quite welcome. It. That's what I want to do. Uh, my stock is Inspirity NSP. We did I it a Peter's study saying,
3: "What the heck? How can it keep going up? Looks like we marked the top, unfortunately." But I'm sticking by it. Human resources <sharp inhale> staffing is a good story. Obviously, workday is my real HR play. Let's go to. I uh, like too. Let's go to Les in Wisconsin. Les.
0: Hi, Jim. Uh, First time caller, long time okay. listener. I'd like to get your opinion about a stock I bought about two or three months ago at twenty one. It is now down to nine. The stock is Tiva Pharmaceutical. Oh,
3: boy. That's a tough one. I can't recommend the stock. It's kind of like in Trexon. Some wag was hurt to us. Say, oh, I didn't listen to Kramer. I managed to be, and I bought it, and it's up big. Well, wait a second. I, I recommend it. I said sell that stock for the last 20 points. I have really liked it. I hated it, Teva, for the last 35 points. I, I expect it to bounce, but I've hated it for 35. I'm not getting long in here. That's a phrase for me, I don't like it. Dale in Ohio, Dale!
2: Hi Jim, I'm in the house of pain. Marathon
3: Petroleum. It's the best of the lot, but you know that I've turned against the fossil fuel complex. The millennial money managers just don't want to own them and they're inheriting the earth, which is a problem, but can I stop that? I've tried, I've failed. Let's go to Stan in Florida, Stan!
2: Hey, Jimbo Stan from Central Florida. Long time listener. Read all your books, and I love your advice.
3: There you go. Uh, I mean, this guy says he's contract. What's up?
2: The stock I'm talking about is uh, NovaCure. I got a nice profit in it right now. Does it have long term potential, or should I take the profit? Uh, I more?
3: happen to really. You know, I believed in NovaCure since it was a single digit stock. That's the machine that uh, helps people's brain, the brain cancer. I think it's fantastic. And I would say that if you have a huge profit, you can take some off the table, let the rest run. Let's go to Sam in Arizona. Sam! Hey, Crazy Kramer, love your show.
2: Love your staff. Thank you for Great making staff. us money. Great staff. Hey, I bought Stars uh, because of their excellent uh, shows on, and I made money. Okay. I then bought Lionsgate because they owned The Hunger Game. I made money. All right. Now lionsgate has bought stars and i'm in the house of pain jimmy no, i can't really I mean, I look i am in the house of pain with
3: this viacom for my travel trust i mean and, and i think that one's gonna work out eventually i gotta i gotta say no i gotta say no i can't i can't get behind lionsgate sorry hey can i go to diane in california please diane v-e-e-v oh gaster delivered a great number I mean, he is so good. I love that guy. He comes on the show. He's mild mannered and he delivers, delivers, and delivers. Ah, buy, buy, buy. I like Gasner. I would not sell the stock. And one more. Let's go to Dan in New Jersey. Dan. Booyah, Jim. How are you? I am well, thank you, Dan. How about you? I'm good. Well, my question for you today is about U.S. Steel ticker symbol X. Uh-uh. Don't like it. Don't like the steel business in general, in particular. Don't like that. I know it's an inexpensive stock, but I got to sit now. And that, laser, good, of the Lightning Round.
4: The Lightning Round
2: is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
3: If you listen to the puntotocracy, you'd think this upcoming Fed meeting would be impossible to game. According to this narrative, Jay Powell is an incredibly difficult spot. On the one hand, he needs to worry about the next wave of tariffs, unleashing some meaningful inflation. On the other hand, those same tariffs will weigh down our economy. When we have inflation, the Fed's supposed to slam on the brakes. When we have a slowdown, it's supposed to hit the accelerator. But at the same time, real conundrum. I expect a raft of articles about how some manufacturers simply can't produce their goods anywhere other than China. Start getting them today. If that's really the case, the tariffs will hurt. But as I've told you many times, the president doesn't care about how profitable these businesses are. To him, they're just collateral damage in a broader conflict with the Chinese. Now, as Dan D'Amico, the former CEO of Nucor and many-time visitor to uh, us and Mad Money, has pointed out, there are two ways to think of this supply chain issue. First, if we're talking about non-critical items like toys, Who cares? Fireworks? Who cares? Nobody needs to buy toys so consumers can eat the tariff or just wait until the sourcing situation gets sorted out. Second, though, if it's something essential, something we can't do without for even a short time, D'Amico says it's unacceptable that we've allowed China to dominate that industry. If we need to pay more to manufacture essential goods here, so be it. D'Amico thinks it's completely insane to depend on China. I agree with him. The People's Republic may not be the Soviet Union, but it's not like they're our best buddies. I bring this up because Trump hates to lose. He hates to lose elections. He hates to lose in the ratings, when he was on the apprentice lease. He hates to lose in business deals. He can be petulant and nasty. But when he gets fixated on something, he's relentless. I don't think the Chinese Communist Party understands what they're dealing with here. Sure, there are a lot of companies that depend on China for their manufacturing. Turns out that Trump, unlike all the other presidents that we've had, he has no sympathy for them. On Friday, we had Gary Friedman, the CEO of RH, the retailer from the as Restoration Harbor, on this show. Earlier this year, he told us that he couldn't really move his sourcing from China because their manufacturing was too cheap, too good. But in the face of Trump's tariffs, well, he bit the bullet and moved because he had no choice. Still some there, but he's doing his best. Maybe the Fed sees the chaos that the tariffs could cause us and tells us that they need to monitor the economic fallout. What would that look like? I doubt it would lead to a rate cut just yet. Not this time. Instead, I'm expecting a statement from Jay Powell where he explains that he's watching the situation closely, he's prepared to cut rates next month if things deteriorate, I regard that as the most likely outcome and perhaps the most positive outcome, too. As much as I want a rate cut, it might free people out that we need one right now, right here. I do worry that we may eventually see some inflation from the tariffs as they're inherently inflationary. But there's a difference between a tax increase, which is what tariffs are, and organic inflation. That said, the steel industry has been protected by tariffs since last year, and, and yet steel prices are actually down. Witness Newcore's not-so-hot forecast from earlier today. There's been no pickup I- I- at retail, by the way, so far. That's why I think it will be a long time before we see real tariff-related inflation. But the slowdown, it's already upon us. So the Fed's choice is easy. If stocks are going to keep climbing, we need to hear words like monitoring. Words like vigilance. Words like cognizant. Words like concerned. And I think we'll get that cautious wording, which is positive for the stock market. Because after last December's bruising, j understands the situation a lot better than the armchair analysts who act like this is some kind of tough call. Give me a break. Stick with Kramer. I like Facebook up nine after the bell. I don't know. That could be a tough one. But you know what? I think their whole commentary is going to be positive for the company. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'd find it just for you, right here, mid money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I'll see you tomorrow.
2: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you.